Well, today, uh, I need to make a confession to you before I begin to get into the word. And that is, I am a real stick in the mud sometimes. I got the blessing of, of a wife who is a world-class home decorator, um, who has amazing ideas about how to make a space beautiful. And she married an old curmudgeon. Every now and then, Carolyn will talk to me, and she'll say things like, um, I've been thinking about the hearth room lately, and that's code for we're going to change things around here. And I break out into a cold sweat. And I get real silent. And she kind of backs off for a little bit. And then the next day, she'll come at it again. And she'll say things like, you know, we've had that couch for 35 years. Or... I've just been thinking about how nice the room would look if we did this. For me, I'd like to think that I'm open to new ideas, and, but when it comes to decorating, I just some, something seizes up in me when she says I want to change things. I like the old couch. I like it where it is, and if it's that way for the next 75 years, I'd be happy with that. But she has better ideas, and usually um, she wears me down over a period of time. And I hate to admit all this, but it's kind of true. And, and we go ahead and we change things, or we'll buy something new, or she'll put the picture in a different spot in the room, God forbid. And you know what? Once we settle into it, I, I always say, why did we wait so long? This is, this is great. I love this. And we're currently in a, in a state of that in our hearth room. She had an idea a few months ago, and we made some changes, much to my fear. And it's turned out to be really a good thing. You'll have to come over and visit our hearth room sometime. So in the... Talking about new things, which is our topic for today, I'm not the guy that has it all together, but I, I think that the Lord was, was speaking to all of us today through our, our message that he gave one of our brothers, but I think he was speaking to me this week about new things, and I think he's speaking to us about new things. I'd like you to go with me to a passage in Isaiah. And the passage is found in chapter 43, and verses 16 through 21 will have the, the scripture on the screen, but if you'd like to follow along in your own Bible or your device, feel free to do that. Um, let's talk a little bit about the prophecy before we actually read it. Many times the prophets said things well in advance of when they happened, so that when the event happened... No one could say, my idol made that happen. Or I did that because I was so strong or I was so insightful. And so God would give these messages to the prophets 
sometimes hundreds of years ahead of time. In the case that we're looking at today, in terms of one of the early fulfillments of this prophecy, probably 150 years ahead of time. Now, when God says, I'm going to do something 150 years ahead, and then it happens, you know it's God. And that's what he was doing when he inspired the prophets to speak ahead about things that would come later. And some of the things still have not happened, and we're waiting for those things. And when they do happen, we're going to say, ah, this is so God. He let us know about this hundreds of years ago, and now we're seeing it happen. So let's read the passage from Isaiah 43, starting in verse 16. Thus says the Lord, who makes a way in the sea, a path in the mighty waters, who brings forth chariot and horse, army and warrior. They lie down, they cannot rise. They are extinguished, quenched like a wick. Does that ring any bells with anybody? Hmm? Did anybody ever make a path through a mighty water? We're talking about the nation of Israel, aren't we? Crossing the Red Sea? Were there chariots and horses that laid down in the process and were snuffed out like a wick? Yeah. If you can, if you can decipher the figurative language, that happened, didn't it? Pharaoh sent his army after them, and after Israel made it to the, the other side, he brought the waters over the chariots and the horses, and they drowned. So he's talking in figurative language about what happened at the Red Sea when Israel had come out of Egypt, and then Egypt changed their mind about letting them go, and they went after them with their army. Look at verse 18. Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. He's basically saying, don't think about that. Again, figurative language. Behold, verse 19, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. The wild beasts will honor me, the jackals and the ostriches, for I give water in the wilderness, rivers in the desert, to give drink to my chosen people, the people whom I formed for myself, that they might declare my praise. Well, 150 years or so to the future of when Isaiah spoke these words, God brought his people out of Babylon. They had been taken captive, lock, stock, and barrel. They had been there 70 years. And God brought them out, not because they fought their way out, but because he laid it on the heart of an ungodly king to let them go. And so they walked out with the king's blessing. They were funded they were supplied for their journey. And the prophet is saying in figurative language, God made a way for them to get back to, to their home, to Jerusalem. Some of this 
may even apply to things that were future from Babylon. I think there's a picture here even of of wayward sons and daughters coming back to God in great numbers. And that could be happening. I pray that it happens. This could be a reference also to when Christ rules on this world, in this world and people come back to Jerusalem. But God is saying in the middle of all this, through the prophet Isaiah, Verse 18, remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. I think what he was saying was hyperbole. He was saying, by comparison, don't spend so much time thinking about the past that you can't foresee the new thing that God is wanting to do that's right in front of your nose. I really believe that Our glorious past was given to us by God to propel us into the glorious future that he has prepared for us. And so the Red Sea is not something that we go back to and build a shrine at the Red Sea and stay there forever. We remember it, but we remember it so that it gives us faith to walk into the exile from Babylon to walk into our sons and daughters coming back to Christ in great numbers, to believe God for a great future that he has for all of us in the life to come. God is all about new things. I'd like you to think with me in in the history of the Bible about some new things that God did. The very first thing I'd like you to to, uh, think with me about is creation. Think about creation for a minute. That was a new thing at one time. You might say, well, duh, that's how we all got here. How could that be new? Well, God the Father and God the Son and God the Spirit had a wonderful relationship before there was ever heavens and earth. They had a a totally harmonious relationship. They existed. And they decided to do something new. They decided to leave what was very good behind and to add into the mix us. You might say, "Mm, they didn't get that good a deal, did they? I'm looking at you and I'm thinking they did get a good deal. Look at the the variety of people that God has brought into his kingdom. Look at the people that you're able to reach. Look at the, the wonderful things God has done through the people that he's created. Creation was a new thing. And God did it. And after he did it, making the heavens and the earth and creating mankind, what did he say? And behold, it was not such a good idea. Is that what he said? No. And behold, it was very good. Everything he created, it was very good. Even when he created us, it was very good. Think about Adam's call. I'm not, not Adam. Abram, Abram's call. 
You know, before um, Abram was called by God, we don't really know about his beliefs. We know that originally he lived in a place called Ur. This was, would have been in Mesopotamia, um, near Babylon. And uh, there wasn't too much spiritual going on around there, so he probably had some kind of pagan worship in his background. And God decided that he was going to do something new. And he had a lot in mind. He had a lot of stuff in mind, but his, his approach was to a man who, I really don't know what he was thinking. The Bible doesn't tell us. But we know he was, a, he was from a pagan culture. And his father and he and their families had moved from Ur to a place called Haran which was north of what would become the promised land. They were living there. Abraham's 75 years old. Anybody here 75 or older? God goes to Abraham and says, Abram at the time, that was his name, I want you to leave where you're living. And I want you to go to a land that I will show you. Didn't even tell him where it was. <laughs> Come to a place that I'm going to show you. Wow. And so Abraham gets up and he goes. He takes his family with him. And God says, I'm going to make out of you a great nation. And all the nations of the world are going to be blessed through you. That was totally new for Abraham. That was brand new. But he embraced it. He received it. And he walked into the newness. And because he did, God did that. He created a great nation through him, the nation of Israel. And it's true that through him and through that nation that all the nations of the earth will, would be blessed. Because through Israel, Christ came into the world. And Christ is the reason for blessing for the whole world. He's the reason that we're here today. All because God did something new in a man's life who was 75, who had every right to say, leave me alone. I'm done changing. I've done all that. I just want to retire in peace. And God said, ooh, got a new thing for you here, buddy. And he didn't flinch, at least we don't know that he flinched. He walked into it, and God did an amazing thing through that new thing that he was doing in his life. And you know what? I have a feeling that God is speaking to you and to me as individuals today. And he's saying, I've got something new for you this year. Could that be? God is speaking to you and saying, I've got something new for you this year. Let's look at another new thing that God did. He gave the law to Moses. He told Moses just the kind of worship that he expected the nation of Israel to have. How to set up a place of worship even to where to arrange things. I mean, he, he said, 
put the stand right here over the black box and put the piano there, you know, so many feet away. He spelled it out. Their worship was spelled out. You would think that that would be good enough. We could just rest with that. But he had had a plan about something else even before he established that worship. And that was, he had planned a worship that would involve his son. And so, in the midst of all that he had set up, he did a new thing. He changed things. And he sent his son to earth as a baby that had never been done before, that was new. It was different. It wasn't even what people were expecting. They were expecting a king that would ride leading armies, that would defeat their foes and establish a new kingdom. Well, that was part of the plan, but it's a part of the plan that's still coming. There was another part of the plan that people had overlooked that involved a baby and dying. So Jesus came as a baby and you know the rest that he grew and he was rejected and he was eventually put to death and he died for our sins. It was new, but it was so good. Think about it. Instead of thousands and thousands of sacrificial animals being offered every year, thousands and thousands, always blood, always the killing of animals. Now, Jesus gave his life once, and the sacrifices could cease because he paid the price for all of our sins once for all. Is that a good thing? It was a new thing. It was a tough thing. But it was a good thing. It's because of that that we're here today. The Bible is full of new things. The Bible is full of new songs. Um, in the Psalms, in Isaiah, in the book of Revelation, we're, we're told to sing a new song to the Lord. Jesus, on the night before he went to the cross, he talked about a new covenant. This goes back to the old way of worship, which involves sacrifices. He says, I, this, this cup that you're going to drink tonight represents my blood which is a new covenant for you. And so Jesus established something new in his death, a new covenant, the old covenant, done away with, a new covenant in his blood coming into being. New people because of Christ. That's you and me. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this. This is one of the best scriptures in the Bible. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. 
The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And we, we hold to that, don't we? We believe for that. We believe for it for ourselves and we believe for it for those that we talk to about Jesus. We say, it doesn't matter what you're, what you're doing now. You can be a new person in Christ. And that's true. It happens. It happens all the time. People become new in Christ. Again, on the night before Jesus was betrayed, he, he talked about something else new. He says, I'm, I'm going to give you a new commandment. And I don't know how the disciples felt about that. They had, they had the Ten Commandments, but there were many more. And they probably felt like, I can't even keep the ones I have. How can you give us another commandment? But he gave them a, another commandment that night. And he said, a new commandment I give you. That you love one another, just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. So he gave a new commandment that night. And we are trying to live by that every day, aren't we? And that seems to summarize all the other commandments. It seems that if we have learned to love God and love one another, that we've covered all the other commandments. And so the new commandment wasn't a burden to us. It was a way for us to focus and not be overwhelmed by all the others. In the future, God is going to be doing new things as well. We just, uh, we read through the Bible every year and we, we do it from start to finish. We don't try to collate all the different parts of the Bible. We just start in Genesis and finishes, finish in Revelation. And so Friday night, we got to finish in, in the book of Revelation. And here's one of the passages that we read. I'd like you to read it with me. And uh, would you read it out loud with me? Would you be okay with that? Um, say yes, if you would be. Yes. Okay, good. Here, let's read this together. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. Let's think about the new things that are talked about in that passage. I love to, well, right at the very beginning, he says, I'm creating new heavens and new earth. I can't imagine what it's going to be like, but I have an idea uh, that particularly in terms of a new earth, can you imagine an earth where there's no death? No plant death even. Where there's no decay. 
where things live on and on. And I, you know, that's just my imagination going. I'm sure it's going to be way better than anything I can imagine. Can you imagine a, an existence where God is with us all the time? I love to, I, Sunday is my favorite day of the week because of getting to worship with you. I love to worship with you because so often when we worship together, I feel God's presence like I don't ever feel him alone. Do you feel that sometimes? Can you imagine being in God's physical presence all the time? That's, that's what eternity is going to be like. But it's new. We don't have that now. Oh, we have the Holy Spirit, but it's going to be it's going to be just a little different. He's going to dwell with us. And then he's going to do something else new. He's going to wipe away every tear. There's going to be no more death, no mourning, crying, or pain. That's all new. But it's good, isn't it? It's good. Those of us that that get afraid of new things. It's good to see some of the good new things that God has planned. And then he says at the very end, behold, I am making all things new. I really think that from the very beginning, God has been making all things new. He started with creation. He started making things new. And then, in working with people, he began making things new. A 75-year-old man that just thought he was going to retire and kind of uh, have a good rest of his life. God says, I've got something new for you, buddy. And he takes him to a place. And he builds a nation out of him in a miraculous way. And on and on. God has been doing new things from the very beginning. I think he wants to do something new in your life and in my life in the year ahead. What about our church? We're, we're sitting on the, on the brink of something new. Are you like me in the hearth room when Carolyn says, I've been thinking about the hearth room. Oh, don't change anything, please. God is the head of the church, isn't he? Not in, not in the terms of a CEO. He's the head of the church. Is the head relates to the body. So he's the head of the body, the church. And he's directing and he's guiding. We don't need to be afraid when he's in control. I'm learning that with Carolyn in control of our decorating, I don't need to be afraid. And I'm trying to get over my, my fears. And uh, we need to get over our fears about what may happen at Evangel Temple. God is the head of the church, this church, the church. And he's going to be doing some wonderful new things. Let's go back to the passage in Isaiah Passage, uh, let's start in verse 18 and 
We'll read verse 18 and 19. Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing new things. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? So God is doing some new things. And the the wonderful things from the past that we've experienced as a church and as individuals, he's meaning those to be things that propel us into the new things that he's planning for us that are just ahead.